Hello and welcome to Coming Up Winners. I am your host, Jason McIntyre. Very excited for our third podcast. Folks, you've probably seen me on FS1, heard my Fox Sports Radio show. Perhaps you visited TheBigLead.com, a sports website I founded in 2006. We're doing a sports gambling podcast, and I will be joined every Monday and Thursday by my esteemed colleague, Andrew Lynch. Lynch, good morning. We're very excited. Great Thursday night game. Incredible Sunday slate. Are you ready to do this? I am beyond ready. I am spectacular. The first Thursday night football game on Fox, the Minnesota Vikings, the Los Angeles Rams. Woo! J-Mac, how are you feeling? You are 5-0 and in the Super Contest this week. 13-2 and in the biggest gambling party in the country. Tied for first overall. Speak to it, my friend. I'm, I'm nervous. Thank you. Uh, sweaty palms. Uh, a couple sleepless nights this week as I pour over data. I, I'm looking at the numbers constantly. You know, this is an evolving process, and we've talked about this on the podcast. It's not like you just look at the games and make a decision, right? I mean, every day I'm looking at the lines, looking at the movement, looking at the injuries. I'm digging into the numbers you send me over text and email as we talk about the podcast. Conrad, our producer, he's tossing stuff at me. It's like when you're studying for a test, you don't just look at the book, right? You're taking all things into account. And, man, I got to say, I am nervous as hell. I don't know if I'll be able to keep this up, Lynch. Uh, But hopefully, listen, talking through this podcast over the next 30 minutes will help us get there. Where should we get started? Well, really quickly, I want you to break down the Super Contest, if you could, for those fans who might not be familiar with it, um, and then talk about why sometimes your picks on the podcast on a Thursday might not match up with your Super Contest picks, because the the time frame there is a little different, yeah. correct? Yeah, so it's a $1,500 buy-in. You have to have a proxy in Vegas, put your picks in every week, whether it's Friday night or Saturday morning, and... The lines come out Wednesday afternoon, and they're frozen. So whatever the line is on Wednesday, that's what it is. For instance, the Cincinnati Bengals-Atlanta Falcons game, that line is on the move. Indianapolis-Houston, that line's on the move. We're seeing some movement in the New York Giants and the New Orleans Saints. But in the Super Contest, whatever's frozen on Wednesday, that's the line. So as you see the money come in, whether it's public money whether it's big professional money, you've got to kind of gauge where the smart money is and you kind of want to be on that side. So when are you making when are you locking in your super contest picks? Usually uh, Saturday morning I wake up to do the radio show. I drive into the studio and in the last 30 minutes I will hammer haw, for instance, last week. You know, I had the Patriots as a pick. I'm like, come on, Belichick and Brady coming off a loss. They'll t- kill Detroit. And at the last minute, I just said, you know what? Let me just go with the Ravens. Five and a half is kind of a big number, but I'll go with John Harbaugh. I don't think Vance Joseph is a good coach. And I swapped out the Patriots, put in the Ravens, boom, nailed it, as they say in the streets. So, uh, Lynch, you know, we're going to make our picks here today. And could some of these change by Friday night, Saturday morning? Yes. But for some reason, I irrationally have a lot of confidence this week. And I'm hoping you're on my side. So uh, let's get started, shall we? Let's do it. Our favorite segment of the show, Put Up or Shut Up. I will choose listeners from Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag Put Up or Shut Up, and we will bet against each other. You guys know the rules by now. You pick the game, I get to pick the side. You can submit a top 25 college football game or any NFL matchup using the lines from the Westgate Sportsbook. 
And we got a couple submissions this week, Lynch. Uh, and you guys are smarter than I thought because you picked two really tight games. Conrad, producer of the podcast, get us started here. All right, you guys. First game comes from at Amart underscore 95. We have Ohio State minus three and a half head to Penn State. Yeah. Oh, this I see this is tough because I see the hook and as I monitor lines all week this looks like it'll be four at game time. I know Lynch you're going to talk about the total here in a moment. I think the professional money is on Penn State at home. We know the public is going to hammer Ohio State. Of course everybody remembers a couple years ago the big upset by Penn State in Happy Valley. I know Ohio State doesn't have Mr. Bosa who could be the number 1 pick in the draft. They're without him. And James Franklin, the Penn State coach, as an underdog in his last five games, 5-0 and against the spread. All that being said, I'm riding with the better quarterback, and that's Mr. Haskins at Ohio State. I love him. I actually believe he could be the best quarterback Urban Myers had at Ohio State. Haskins looks like a pro. I had him in my first round of my NFL mock draft. I think he gets it done. And Penn State has not looked very sharp early here in the season. They really struggled against App State to op- in the opener. So I'm going with Ohio State favored by three and a half. Uh, Conrad, if I lose this, I will have to Venmo Amart95, $10. Lynch, any thoughts? Yeah, Amart, I think you take that $10 that you know you're going to get from J-Mac and put that on the (laughs) over for this game. It's all the way up to 70 and a half. What? 70 and a half American points. But these two teams are the top two scoring teams in college football so far this season. Between the two of them, they're averaging 110 points per game. 55 and a half for Ohio State, 54 and a half for Penn State. This is going to be a shootout. Take that 10 bucks, preemptively invested in the over here. So Lynch likes the over. I'm going with Ohio State, favored by three and a half. Amart, we will be in touch on social media soon. We'll get to more college football picks later in the podcast. But producer Conrad, tell us our next put up or shut up game. From at Eric J. Montas, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to Chicago. Chicago is minus three. Conrad, I'm so glad that Eric picked this. Eric, thank you for your submission. And uh, I feel so confident about this that I'm going to script the tweet you're going to have to send with the iTunes link about how great this podcast is. I'm all over the Bears here. Everything for me is coming up Chicago. I mean, listen, this is by far going to be the best defense that Ryan Fitzmagic has faced yet. By the way, we're taping this Thursday morning. It appears he's taking all the first-team snaps. No word officially if it's Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston. But these are the defenses that Ryan Fitzpatrick has faced. The New Orleans Saints, dead last in yards per play. Philadelphia Eagles, pretty good. They were 11th in yards per play. And the Steelers, 24th in yards per play. The Bears, by almost every metric, are a top-10 defense. They lead the NFL in sacks. They are last in blitz percentage. So basically, Khalil Mack and three dudes are rushing the passer and getting there. Now, I, you know, there is some trepidation because the Bears are now the favorite. They've played well as a dog this season, but now they're the favorite in their last eight at home as a favorite. Now, I know they have a new coach, and you can do what you want with this trend. Bears are only two and six. They play better as an underdog. I think this is the game, Lynch, that Trubisky shows out. I think that the Tampa corners are down. I think that offensively the Bears second in time of possession in the league they'll be able to run on this soft defense they control the clock I think Trubisky delivers I love the Bears favored by three here do you know how much it warms my heart to hear you reference yards per play J-Mac 
It's just, it's the single greatest stat we have. Another great one, DVOA, where the Bears are the best defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, even better than those Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Chicago's creating pressure like it's their job. It's, they're sacking the quarterback on 12.4% of dropbacks. Action Network, our friends over at the Action Network have a really cool stat where they look at combined pressure rate both how much pressure a defensive line is creating and then how much pressure the opposite offensive line is allowing. The number for Chicago in this game against Tampa Bay is 87%. Now there's some overlap there, but what that number is basically telling you is 80% of the time that Ryan Fitzpatrick is dropping back or Jameis Winston, if he happens to get the start somehow, the Chicago Bears are going to be getting pressure. Pressure leads to turnovers, and both of those quarterbacks are renowned for turning the ball over. So wait, so Lynch, though, we're both very all-in on the Bears. Why is the line only three? Are we missing something? And this goes back to the process and kind of how we get to where we are. Like, what are we missing? Why isn't this three and a half or four or five? You're very confident in Mitch Trubisky. I don't know that anyone else on the planet is other than maybe Mitch Trubisky. Um (laughs) And so when you don't know, you're going to have these tight lines. Remember, since 2015, 23% of NFL games have been decided by three points or fewer. One out of every four games essentially is decided by a field goal. So Vegas might not even have a great sense of who either of these teams truly are. And in both as a gambler and as an odds maker, when that is true, you look to your systems. So that line is going to hover around three. It did open at minus two and a half for Chicago. So, oh, so if, you early, were, okay. if you were really liked the Bears early Sunday afternoon, maybe even before week three ended, that was when you really wanted to get your money in. Okay. All right. So there we are, uh, Mr. Montas. I got the Bears favored by three. If I lose, I'll Venmo you 10 bucks. Next up, we will dive into good bet, bad bet. We will approach the NFL games through a gambling prism, tell you where the smart money is, where the public money is. More on that in a moment. And Lynch, you know, one of the games that jumps out at me, Cincinnati Bengals getting five on the road in Hotlanta. We just saw the Falcons lose a tough one against Drew Brees and the Saints. I don't know. We're going to get into process here in a second. I kind of lean toward the Bengals here. Uh, I know it's kind of a strange line five, a bit of a dead number. People look at the Bengals and say, oh, they, they just got their clocks cleaned in, in Carolina. Why, why would you like the Bengals here? I, I'm Just briefly, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because Cincinnati's not a sexy team. They won on Thursday night, then they lost, and everybody's kind of the bloom is off that rose. But everything here tells me Atlanta's injuries in the secondary, down both safeties, really got lit up by running backs the last two weeks, whether it was Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, they can't defend anybody, and this Cincinnati passing game, Tyler Boyd, who I'm sure everybody got in their fantasy league, he had a monster game last week. A.J. Green, we know, is a superstar. John Ross, Speedy, Gio Bernard filling in for Joe Mixon. By the way, there's some chatter that Joe Mixon could be back this week. We'll have to monitor that as it goes on. I think the Bengals keep this offensive, and I think they can stay within five. I don't know that they'll win. That Falcons defense can't stop a nosebleed right We mentioned at the top how quickly lines can move. This is absolutely bonkers to me. When we started recording this podcast 15 minutes ago, the Bengals were five-point dogs. That number is down to plus four now. In 15 minutes, it's moved an entire point, probably because that game is 31% sharp right now. 56% of all the tickets are coming in on the Bengals, but 87% of the money is coming in on Cincinnati against Atlanta at a five-point or even four-point underdog. 
And it's not even the sharpest game of the week. We'll get to that later in our Moneyline segment. And then the Bengals might just be the better team here. Wow. That's a, you got you to back that up. Absolutely. The Bengals and Falcons are both averaging 6.2 yards per play on offense, both top 10 offenses by that metric. But the Falcons are allowing 5.8 yards per play, bottom 10, while the Bengals are allowing 5.3 yards per play, roughly just above average. In DVOA, which is a stat that I love and I will always try to explain it a little bit, it normalizes for game situation and for your opponent. So running for three yards on third and one is more important than running for three yards on second and 10 when you're ahead by 40 points. That has a bigger impact on the probability that you win the game. By that DVOA metric, the Atlanta Falcons are the 27th team in the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals, and this is mind-blowing, are the fourth best team in the NFL by that metric, largely because they beat the Baltimore Ravens in a game where A.J. Green played really, really well. And that Baltimore Ravens team is one of the top three defenses in the NFL. This Falcons defense is struggling to stop anybody outside of maybe some success in the second half against the Saints leading into that overtime game. I truly believe the Bengals might be the better team here. And in that case, give me the points. Okay, so now let me push back against that. How much of the DVOA says, well, Baltimore played Buffalo in the opener, and then they just played turnover-prone Case Keenum. Both of those were at home. Does that stuff matter when it comes to, you know, looking at the Cincinnati Bengals? And it's a really smart question. So DVOA does account for the strength of your opponent, but we don't start making that adjustment until after week four. So there is some discrepancy there. Are the Ravens as strong of a team as their numbers indicate? And if they're not, does that mean the Bengals are as strong of a team as as their numbers indicate? Probably not. But as bad as the Falcons have been by some of these advanced metrics, I've got to take the chance that the Bengals are just the better team here with the four point as four point underdogs. So one final note. So last week the Bengals gave up 184 yards rushing to Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Not necessarily between the tackles guy. Now they gotta face Tevin Coleman and maybe Devonta Freeman. I don't know if he's gonna be back yet. Coleman is a good running back. He had a good game last week. There are some holes in the Bengals. We, we love to talk about it, but this feels like an offensive showdown. Last team with the ball wins, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's why we're leaning Bengals plus five. All right, next up, the mighty Seattle Seahawks, fresh off their national television victory over the Cowboys. And uh, I don't know if you watch that game really closely. Seattle was not that impressive. Seattle favored by three in Arizona against the winless Arizona Cardinals rookie quarterback Josh Rosen starting. Now, Lynch, before I throw it to you here, I, I've got to start with this. Home dogs, 10-4 and four against the spread this season. This is a home dog. Maybe going to be barking. Now, I quickly want to dive into something that I, I, I'm sure some of you guys out there, if you're in a, a pick'em league, whether it's on you know whatever website, I'm in one. And I was winning after the first two weeks. I struggled a bit last week. But when I look at what the public is doing on these websites... In these pick'em leagues, I get an idea of what's going on, and I'm like, huh, uh, the public's getting slaughtered, Lynch. Last week, the public was 76% on Kansas City, and they hit. But the public was all over Green Bay? Nope. Jacksonville, 94%, and they failed. Chicago, 72%, they failed in Arizona. And 82% on New England. So the public is riding teams that they like, maybe the better quarterback, the favorites, And they're getting slaughtered. You want to go back to week two. 
any time the public was more than 70% in week two, they went one and five. The Chargers covered, but the Houston Texans failed. The Jets failed. The Eagles, 49ers, Patriots all failed. Lynch, one of the most public plays this weekend in this pick'em league I'm in is the Seattle Seahawks, 77% on the road as a home favorite. Lynch, am, am I crazy for liking Arizona here plus three? Yeah, this is a this is a bad bet, I think, J Mac. Um, first of all, for one major reason, if you really liked the Cardinals, again, you wanted to get in on this early. The Cardinals opened as four point dogs. Now they're down to that magic three point number. Okay. Oh no, that's a good great point. But Lynch, why is that line going down from four to three and a half to three? Because the Cardinals are slightly sharp. The Cardinals are... So professional money coming in on the cards, but at three and a half and four. Exactly. At three, it's kind of a dead number, and the public says, oh, I'm getting a field goal with the better team, the better quarterback. Let me just take Seattle. Yep, you'll probably see a little bit of reverse line movement here. Um, because what do you expect from Josh Rosen as the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals? You just shrugged. <laughs> that And that is exactly it, right? We don't know what to expect from this specific rookie quarterback. Well, we can look to what rookie quarterbacks have done over the past few years. Since 2003, rookie quarterbacks turn the ball over at a pretty astonishing rate. It's about 2.5% of the time that they drop back, they throw an interception, which would be in the bottom third of the league for starting quarterbacks. In fact, 40 of the past 46 rookie starters who threw at least 200 passes in a given season turned the ball over at a higher rate even than 2.5%. So Josh Rosen... Fairly accurate quarterback in college. Didn't turn the ball over a ton. But as a rookie in the NFL, there's every reason to believe that he's going to be turning the ball over to the Seattle defense. And he threw a pick six at home last week that was uh, negated by a penalty. And oh, by the way, the Seahawks defense, fourth in the NFL against the pass by DVOA. Yes, a lot of signs pointing away from Arizona. Let me quickly try to build more of a case for the Cardinals. And I'm leaning that way in the Super Contest, but I don't know if I'll be able to pull the trigger. So this is Seattle's third road game in four to start the season. And it's easy to overlook an 0-3 team. We saw the Vikings do it with the Bills last week. If you're Seattle and you see what's next on the schedule— Oh, the mighty Rams, the team that beat the tar out of them last week, 42, sorry. And if you look ahead to what's next week, the Vegas favorites to win the Super Bowl now, right? The the LA Rams. And remember what the Rams did to Seattle in Seattle last year? A 42-7 embarrassment. You don't think Seattle might be saying, man, all right, let's dispatch the Cardinals. I got to get those Rams next week. Todd Gurley, I got to. I just think there's a possibility of a sandwich game here with Arizona. Seattle, again, national TV game last week against Dallas. Easy to get up for that. Oh, Arizona. Okay, we'll go there. That's a business trip. We'll, we'll crush them. Oh, and then we got the Rams. And then you start thinking about the Rams. So am I crazy for liking Arizona here? Uh, David Johnson has not been unlocked this year. As you noted, only 116 yards rushing through three games. Longest carry? I mean, Lynch, 11 yards. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the scarier thing for me, um, when he was healthy in 2016, he was touching the ball 23 times per game. That's less than 15 touches per game so far this season. And the touches that he's getting, he's being forced to run between the tackles right into defensive lines that are just waiting for him. 
I said this, you know, when we were prepping before the show started, David Johnson might be the single biggest waste of talent by a uh. team right now. Not his fault. I do not. That is not a David Johnson thing. That is the Arizona Cardinals not making yep. the most of one of the most talented players in the NFL. Yeah, it's bad. Um, Let me toss one more thing at you. Last thing. Arizona has played three division leaders. Washington tied for the lead in the NFC East. Washington just beat Aaron Rodgers. The Rams, no need to introduce them, 3-0. and And the Bears, who are 2-1 and and, and tied for the division lead. So, I don't, uh, I'm sorry. And the Bears, who are 2-1 and and leading their division. So, Arizona's opponents, 7-2, and you know, they've faced a hard schedule. Maybe there's some value. Can I convince you a little bit of value at 3? As a Cardinals fan, no. <laughs> All right, Lynch, next up. The Baker Mayfield special, Cleveland Browns going into Oakland to face winless John Gruden. What's interesting here is line movement. And again, this is something part of the process. You've got to kind of watch it all week. If you're doing this casually, working your job, you got your family, you got your kids, you're coaching youth soccer, uh, you got your side work, you're probably missing some of the interesting stuff that's happening here. Okay, Oakland opened at two. It's up to two and a half, kind of a juice two and a half. You'll probably see three by game time. Lynch, when I look at this, initially my thought is Raiders are pass. I feel like the public perception, we use the word perception a lot, is, well, Baker Mayfield, come on. Or, I mean, the Browns are good. Look what they've done to teams. Of course they can shut down winless Oakland. Oakland just chokes in the fourth quarter of every game. I just want to remind people, Oakland led the Dolphins 17-7 in the fourth quarter. They played the Rams to a standstill in the first half in the opener. And in week two, Oakland also looked good, leading the Broncos into the fourth quarter before collapsing at the tail end. So maybe, maybe there's value on Oakland. And I'm going to say, Lynch, that if it opened to two and it's already two and a half and could hit three by the weekend, I'm going to say that's professional money. That's a guess. I, I don't know that for certain. But the public usually doesn't weigh in early in the week. I'm going to guess that's professional money moving Oakland out to three. I would lean at two and a half, definite lean toward Oakland. It is professional money. Oakland's about 10% sharp here. And literally, as you were speaking, this ticked up to three. Mm. So we now have at the Westgate, Oakland is a three-point favorite, even money on that bet. I'm all in on the Baker train. Wow. I think, I think we have Tim Tebow with skill on our hands. This is going to be <laughs> one of the biggest storylines of the NFL season. People are going to get sick of it. Um, but I really – I gave you a lot of – guff for taking the Browns over the Steelers in week one uh, when we were rehearsing this podcast and the Browns covered and ever since then I've been watching this team a little a little more closely you know me as much as I love the NFL I'm an NBA guy and I love the Philadelphia 76ers and I love the process I think the Cleveland Browns are the process 76ers of the NFL they've been accumulating talent through the draft for the past past several seasons and they just needed a a skeleton key to kind of unlock that team oh boy and i think baker has the potential to be that skeleton key the way that that ball flies from his hand to the receivers yes they ran very simplistic routes very simplistic formations against the jets i almost don't think that matters because he is such an efficient thrower of the football I haven't cited a single number here, which you yeah, know is, is not yes. not my style. So let me close with a number. These two teams, according to DVOA, are practically the same team. Huh. 
they they're performing at about 20% less than the average median team in the NFL so far this year. Home field advantage in the NFL has typically been worth three points, but that has come down to about two and a half, almost 2.2 on average over the past few seasons. We talked about this on a previous episode. Teams are getting better at traveling. Teams are getting better at recovering after injuries. That home field advantage just isn't what it used to be. So if I have two teams that are evenly matched and home field advantage is worth 2.2 points, it seems to me there is a little extra value in that 0.8 points with Cleveland. I'm going to ride with Baker, ride with Miles Garrett in that Browns defense, and I'm going to continue to fade John Gruden. Interesting. Now, I, I only lean Oakland here, but it sounds like you're all in on two and a half, three. I mean, how high are you willing to go? I just got my bet in on Cleveland plus three. Right, Lynch. Uh, always be on your listen, phones. Always be gambling, uh, folks. Yes, a Baker Mayfield phone comment. We need a ding. I will say this. If the Browns do win this and Baker looks good, that Baker train is good. I mean, you might be driving uh, that bandwagon. And it's going to be overflowing. Oh, watch Baker Mayfield's jersey be like the number one seller for the first quarter of the season. I'm a hell of a driver, j It's destiny. All right, moving on to our next matchup. We're going to dive into the Thursday night football game. I don't know if there will be a better Thursday night matchup all season than this. On Fox, we will be watching Minnesota Vikings. It's been seven. It's been six and a half. It's pinged back to seven. The Vikings getting a lot of points in Los Angeles against the, you know, we could say the number one team in the NFL, the Rams. Lynch, I immediately look at what happened to the Vikings on Sunday at home against Buffalo, and I say, boom, there's there, there's my play. It's automatic. The Minnesota Vikings look so bad, all the public jumping in on the Rams. Oh, you got to for forget Kirk Cousins, uh, Diggs, Thielen. Forget about those guys. Oh. Are you sure you want to forget about those guys when Marcus Peters and Tlaib, the starting corners for the Rams, are out? You're two big money free agents that Wade Phillips brought in for this defense. They're both out. I think there is huge value on the Vikings. Remember, oh, what, eight days ago, seven days ago, the Vikings were right there toe-to-toe with the Rams. I think there is value on Minnesota getting six and a half. And if you can get seven... Uh, and the line is moving as we're recording this podcast, I think you got to take seven. I think that's at seven, which is where it is at the Westgate at this moment. I think this is a good bet to take Minnesota in so much as I am sitting here praying that it goes to goes back to six and a half because I did not get my money in when it was six yeah. and a half because I would be all over the Rams at six and a half here. Uh, the Vikings are a below average team by DVOA. Again, that it's largely because of that Bills game so far. Uh, through three weeks of the season. I just don't think a Kirk Cousins-led offense is going to keep pace with this Rams offense, even with Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib out. I just, as much as I am out on John Gruden, I love Sean McVay. I think this man is a genius. I think he understands that the NFL is largely a staid, conservative athletic endeavor where teams tend to do the same thing and the things that they're familiar with and copy each other. And this is a guy who's out there going, well, why don't we do this? Our good friend Peter Schrager on uh, Good Morning Football this morning mentioned, we're all going to get sick of these four words, fly motion, action, pass. It's going to be the new RPO in 2018. Fly motion, action pass. Again, shout out to Peter Schrager on this one. Really smart analysis here. The Rams are doing something that no other NFL team is doing. 
Before the snap, they're sending a wide receiver in motion and they're play actioning to that wide receiver as he comes across after the ball is being snapped. A lot of the time, they're then turning and play actioning to a running back as well. And the defense has no idea what's going on at that point, And they're getting big plays downfield. I think this Rams offense is going to continue to innovate. I think they're going to continue to go up and down the field, even against this stout Vikings defense. And again, I just have no confidence in Minnesota's ability to keep up. So good bet at Minnesota plus seven. There's a solid chance that this is just a touchdown game. Um, I would stay away even at plus seven. And if it, if the number goes down to minus six and a half for the Rams, I'm making a big play there. So I was at Rams Chargers, and I kept waiting, waiting for the Rams to blow them out. And they let the Chargers hang around. Listen, the Chargers moved the football on them. I think they had uh, 6.8 yards per play. Char- you can move the ball on this Rams defense. I know it's good. They were, I mean, they ran successfully with Melvin Gordon, a couple big plays. But, of course, like you said, that Rams offense is a juggernaut. And they can just put up points on points. I will say this. Xavier Rhodes, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, he's got a tall order this week. And with no Everson Griffin, he's going through some personal issues with the Vikings. That's a big loss for them. I just keep coming back to no team is ever as good or bad as we saw last week. I don't think the Vikings are as bad as we saw them against Buffalo. Now, I know it's traveling across the country two time zones for on a short week, but... I have a feeling Mike Zimmer's got something cooked up here. I, I just irrationally like Minnesota. Warning to podcast listeners, whenever I irrationally like a team, it's usually wrong. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm going ahead and taking the Vikings here. I don't know if I'll—I'm obviously not taking them in the Super Contest because if you do submit for the Thursday night game, you have to put in all your picks on Thursday. I don't feel confident about my weekend game, so, so no dice there. But Lynch, good luck with your—are you going to the game tonight? No, I will be covering the first Thursday night football in Fox Sports history uh, live from our war room. Ooh, Cannot wait. That'll be fun. See if you can pick up any good gambling nuggets while you're there. To recap, we both like the Bengals plus five in Atlanta. I like Arizona getting three. Lynch says no, not happening. I'm on the Raiders at home favored by two and a half. Lynch is riding the Baker Mayfield train. Choo-choo. And finally, Thursday Night Football, I like Vikings at 7, 6.5. Lynch likes the Rams at 6.5. And, and again, you've always got to be hunting for the best number. So keep an eye on all the games all week. All right, I'll call the two grand. I'll gamble. Don't splash the pot. Next up, J-Max Saturday Slate. Going to be picking five college football games every week. Last week, got lucky. Woo! Stanford coming through late. Help me to three and two. I'll take the 60%, Lynch. I mean, any way you can get it. All Thank day, you. every day. Thank you, Mario Cristobal, for uh, running the football and fumbling and not taking a knee. But, again, there's a lot of luck involved in gambling. Here are my plays for Saturday. We already had Ohio State favored by three and a half in put up or shut up. The other four, I'm on Kentucky favored by one at home against South Carolina. I know a lot of people will look at the Kentucky win last week over Mississippi State and say, oh, you got to fade Kentucky. No. If you've watched Kentucky, they're good. They beat Florida. They beat Mississippi State. And also, I lost money on South Carolina a couple weeks ago. Thanks for nothing, Will Muschamp. I like Kentucky favored by one. Literally just ticked over to a pick'em. Wow. So maybe professional money coming in on the cock. Game. So maybe professional money coming in on the Gamecocks. I'm sticking with Kentucky. Next up. Texas A&M. Hey, shout out to Jimbo Fisher. I am not a huge Jimbo Fisher fan, 
Uh, I thought he succeeded at FSU with just a loaded roster. FSU always gets the best players. But, but, so far this season, the Aggies have covered against Clemson and Alabama. That's two of the best teams in the country. I'm thoroughly impressed with Texas A&M. Now, this is a huge number, 20 and a half. But, oh my, is Arkansas bad. Arkansas is rebuilding Lynch. I, I, I can't. I know three touchdowns is a lot, but Arkansas is just not there yet. Is this just because of the Alabama game last weekend? Yeah, I did have Alabama last week. Uh, Tua and them let me down. I'm going to blame Nick Saban. He pulled Tua too early. Dude, I mean, it's a three-touchdown game. You can't pull your starter. You got to leave him in and run it up. Uh, and uh, the Aggies came in the back door. So I'm taking Texas A&M, favored by 20 and a half. Third pick, and and I know I'm going to regret this. I know the professionals are all over Notre Dame. The line opened at three and a half. Notre Dame hosting Stanford. It's up to five and a half. Why am I taking Stanford? Because I want to just go against the grain here, and I just think this Stanford offense is so underrated. They've got two NFL tight ends. They got a NFL wide receiver in Arcega Whiteside. They've got an NFL running back in Bryce Love. This is a very good offense. I know they just played an overtime game in the Northwest. Now they've got to travel to the Midwest, a night game in South Bend. Can we play the uh, Wake Up the Echoes music, Lynch? I I really do like everything about Notre Dame, the program. I've had friends that went there. I just think getting five and a half with Stanford here is huge. I'll say this. Notre Dame wins this game, probably headed toward the playoff because the schedule lines up for them. So they're going to put the kitchen sink here. You know, Ian Book, the quarterback change could be significant, but I'm sorry, folks. I'm sticking with Stanford. They covered last week. Maybe I'm going back to the well, uh, and it's going to burn me, but I'm taking Stanford in five and a half. And my pick of the week, the Cal Bears getting two and a half at home against Oregon. Cal was off last week, and now you host an Oregon team coming in that just had that devastating loss to Stanford. Well, I mean, they had the game. They gagged it away. Two second-half fumbles, just unbelievable. I think Justin Wilcox is an up-and-coming coach. I like what he's done at Cal. I love the Cal Bears getting two-and-a-half in Berserkly this weekend. You know it gets nuts there. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Cal Bears at home. To recap my five picks, obviously Ohio State favored by three-and-a-half, Kentucky favored by one, or Lynch said it's down to pick them. I'll take Stanford getting five-and-a-half, Texas A&M Aggies, Jimbo Fisher, baby. Favored by 20 and a half, and the Cal Bears getting two and a half. Lynch, do you have any thoughts on any of those? Or Yeah, I feel like I need that clip of you saying, I know I'm going to regret this, is like my alarm in the morning or something. <laughs> it's how I greet the, the people at the window when I'm making my UFC you, bets. I, I don't hear a lot of you saying, I know I'm going to regret this. I am one of those reluctant gamblers where I'll feel really good, and then I'm like, I'm going to regret this. Have I not shown you my no regrets <laughs> tattoo? No regrets, play like a champion. Baby, you are so money, and you don't even know it. So we'll close the podcast with our Moneyline Picks. A reminder to all you out there, Moneyline Picks just means you're picking the team to win. Obviously, the favorites, you're not going to get as much value as you would with the underdogs who are going to pay much bigger because you're picking them to win outright versus against the spread. I'll let you go first because you're making a pick here that kind of blew my mind. You're confident in it. Uh, I'll save mine for a second. Andrew Lynch. Your money line pick this week is the Miami Dolphins on the road in Gillette Stadium against a Tom Brady who is 27 and 1 at home against division opponents after losses, getting plus 245 on the money line. I'll just repeat that. The Miami Dolphins 
plus 245 on the money line against the New England Patriots of the National Football League. That is my money line pick. Uh, that's mind-blowing. Uh, Lynch, listen, I know that if you put a grand on that, you can win a lot of money. Uh, you know, you could put down a, you could, you could win a lot of money. But the Miami Dolphins, to outright win in New England, that would send the Patriots to the basement of the AFC East. The Dolphins would be 4-0. You got to, th- I mean, listen, that is the, those are the, that is the intestinal fortitude we need on this podcast, Lynch. I, I mean, listen, Miami Dolphins, listen, you go to the window with that, you got to have, you got to be tough. I, I respect that pick. And I'm going to use a poker analogy here. Say we're playing Texas Hold'em, just the two of us. I have ace king and you have pocket queens. That's about a 50-50 shot, right? You win that about 55% of the time. I win it about 45% of the time. So if you were to bet $10 and I were to call that $10 bet, I have a slightly weaker hand. So I'm going to lose money on that bet because 55% of the time you're going to win that $20 pot and I'm only going to win it 45% of the time. So my expected value there is $9 and I'm wagering 10. That means I'm going to lose a dollar on average every time I make that play. But what if someone were to come along, some very generous person, and they were to put $100,000 on the middle of the table? Well, now I have to make that $10 call, right? Because now it's just not my $10 against your $10. I'm risking $10 to win $10,010. It's a similar play here. I don't think the Dolphins win this game more often than not. I truly believe that, obviously, the Patriots, six and a half, seven-point favorites, are going to win this game more often than not. All I need is for the Dolphins to win it one out of three times, and I'm profitable because they're plus 250. That plus 250 number means that Vegas is saying two out of seven times maybe they win. So if I believe that an Adam Gase offense that's really creating some chaos for opposing defenses with trick plays can potentially take advantage of a New England defense that has huge question marks. Massive. And then on the other side of the ball, a Patriots offense that has no weapons really might have to force Josh Gordon into situations that he's not ready for yet just to try to stretch the field. I'm going to take my shot that the Dolphins win this game one out of three times, and that's where the value is for me on the money line, knowing full well that the likeliest outcome is I lose that bet on Sunday. I I think that is excellent logic, and I'll add this. Last week, I had the Colts plus 235 on the money line. Now, you think Colts at Eagles, Jason, that's crazy. Listen, the Colts, if they don't go one for five in the red zone, they win that game outright. That was close. I, you know, I think that's a good play. I like the Dolphins pick. My money line pick this week, not as uh, not as ambitious as yours. I'm going kind of chalky. The Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Negative 170 on the money line. Oh, I should say minus 170, right? The Cowboys, minus 170 on the money line. So you're definitely not getting as good of value as you are with the Dolphins. This could come down to whether or not Sean Lee, their great middle linebacker, plays. They are much better with him than without. We just saw the Lions had their first 100-yard running game in, I think it was four years. Uh, That was against New England. But I just think that this Dallas Cowboys offense going against the worst run defense in the league. Detroit has given up the most yards rushing so far this season. And that's against Isaiah Crowell and Matt Breida. Okay, they're at, they're giving up 5.4 yards per carry, worst in the league. 
This feels like a 175-yard game from Zeke Elliott. Cowboys, the same way after week one, they were terrible against the Panthers. They come home and get right against the Giants. I think the Cowboys did not look great against Seattle. They come home, get right against the Lions. I, I, I'm loathe to use the word lock, Lynch. I, I, you know you hate using the word lock. It's, it's cheesy. You throw it around. It's a good TV word. It feels like Dallas is a lock here. They are 11% sharp on the money line, which certainly bodes tell, well tell for you. Tell the listeners what 11% Yeah, sharp. we've used that phrase a couple of times here. So that's really a comparison of the percentage of the tickets that are coming in on a given team versus the percentage of the money. You might decide to bet $10 on a given game. I might decide to bet $100 on a given game. In that instance, 50% of the tickets are going either direction, but 90% of the money is going wherever I place my bet. And so that disparity between where the money is going and where the tickets are often tells you where the professional money is. In fact, so far this season, according to our friend John Ewing at the Action Network, games that are 10% sharp, that is where there's a disparity of at least 10% between the money coming in on a game and the tickets coming in on a game, those teams that are getting more than 10% of the disparity in money are 20 and 10 against the spread. Interesting. Okay, so I feel kind of good about that. And just to tie a back a bow on it, earlier I talked about where the public is in this pick'em contest I'm in. I just looked at it. The public is 59% on the road dog Detroit. I was hoping it would be higher. But again, a road dog that a week ago, before they shocked the Patriots, Look like a bottom five team in the NFL. So I'm confident in going with Dallas there. Those are our money line picks. I got the Cowboys minus 170. Lynch has the Dolphins plus 245. I'm just going to watch that game thinking the whole time. Oh my gosh, is Lynch going to nail this? You're going to be in my head during that game. Thank you for the picks, Lynch. Thank you for the put up or shut up games to the listeners out there. Send those in on Monday when we're back on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Coming Up Winners. Enjoy the games.